new to chicken keeping and not sure where to start in the chicken aisle at your farm store, or maybe you're a seasoned chicken keeper looking to spice up the products you have on hand. Either way, Honey and Roo is the perfect subscription box to keep your chicken first aid kit stocked and your chickens entertained. When you sign up for Honey and Roo, you can trust that you'll receive high-quality chicken-keeping supplies and useful, unique gifts for you. Honey and Roo also share their own line of chicken-keeping goods and introduce you to products from other companies through their subscription boxes. So check it out by going to HoneyandRoo.com. And if this is your first box, you can use code DRINKANDFARM to get 10% off. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking? I made myself a ridiculously fancy hot chocolate. Ooh. I melted chocolate chips. (gasps) Wow. There's real milk involved. It's covered in marshmallows. It's the greatest thing ever. (laughs) That is pretty bougie. It sounds like you could run your own, like, coffee shop or something. I pretty much could. I enjoy crafting warm beverages in the wintertime. I think it's super fun. And I will share this recipe for the hot chocolate in the show notes because uh, it's definitely one of my favorites that I've had in a long time. Because, uh, I mean, I, I've always liked making hot chocolate from scratch, but usually I like make the powder ahead of time and then like, you know, just put it in warm milk when I'm ready to have a glass. But this one was kind of fun, like throwing the hot chocolate, like the chocolate chips in it and like whisking it on the stove and all that. That like just like brought it up a little notch. Well, dang. So fancy. So what did you open over there? So I opened a Dogfish Head Super 8 Super Goza. Mmm. Yes. It's cute, too. The, there's little superhero-looking fruits on the can. <laughs> Fun. And it's a sessionable goza brewed with a bevy of heroic fruits and quinoa. Pours a deep, vibrant red with an ample, ample addition of Hawaiian sea salt. So it's like all my favorite things. Fruity, Ooh. goza, salt. And quinoa is a really interesting ingredient for beer. I like it. It's super good. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Ashley Kiernan, and she is at Ashley Kiernan over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. Today, we're going to talk about something that I think is super fun um, because Like one of the things that happens whenever you're trying something new is sometimes you don't know like all of the lingo or vernacular like for that thing. And gardening is definitely one of them. So you can find yourself hearing people say things like organic and open pollinated or heirloom or hybrid or GMO when you're talking about seeds. And you're like, what the heck? Like, what's the difference? What does it matter? Are these important? I mean, I'm definitely there most of the time because I'm still a garden noob. So I'm super excited to learn about the difference with these things. 
Yeah. And one of the things that kind of comes to mind, too, when you're learning about new things and especially new things in gardening is like you're wondering, like, which one is the best choice? Like, is there one that's better than another? And that can be really important to like distinguish between so that you can have the best success in your garden that you can. I love it. We took some information from gardeningchannel.com, planetnatural.com, and npr.org. And there will be links in the show notes to those articles so that you can check them out. So today we're going to talk about all the different types of seeds. And we're going to talk about what the pros and cons of the different types of seeds are so that you can choose which one will work best for you in your garden and on your farm. Perfect. That's perfect because I, I mean, I've already ordered all my seeds, but I feel like now I'll at least know what I got myself into. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And you know, a lot of people probably have ordered their seeds by now, but you know, even if you've already ordered your seeds, like, and you find that it's not, they're not something that, you know, like fits within your values perfectly or is going to do everything that you wanted them to. That doesn't mean that you have to throw them away or like start over. It just means you use them this year and learn from it and maybe experiment with a different kind of seed next year if you have different goals than what the seed that you already bought will bring you. So, Whatever you do, don't throw your seeds away this year if you find out that (laughs) you didn't buy what you wanted after listening to this. (laughs) Yeah, don't waste them now. Yeah, especially right now. They're kind of hard to come by. It's not that there's a – so I actually learned something kind of interesting about this. It's not that there's an actual seed shortage. There's plenty of seeds out there. Seed companies are having trouble getting their machines to pack at the rate that people are buying them at. And because of, you know, physical distancing and trying to keep people from getting sick while they're at work, there's less people like on the floor packing packages or running seed machines and whatnot. So they're having a harder time keeping up. So please don't think that like the country is running out of seeds. (laughs) It's just the logistics have gotten complicated. The demand is high and the workers have to be scarce. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, all right, we will just dive right in by talking about the different kinds of seeds. So the first one that we'll talk about is organic. And organic seeds are just simply seeds that were produced using USDA certified organic growing methods. And you might be wondering, are there organic seeds on the market that are not USDA certified? And the answer to that is yes, because the certification process is really expensive So a seed grower can absolutely choose to grow organically and not be certified. But if they aren't certified, they can't use the USDA certified labels. So you could totally end up buying organic seeds uh, without realizing it because they won't be able to label them as organic. And because seed farmers have to pay a premium to certify that their seeds are organic, seed costs for organic seeds are going to be higher And in order to be certified by the USDA, seed farmers have to follow specific growing guidelines that are set by the USDA. Uh, And those guidelines can include things like using only fertilizers, pesticides, and fungicides that are approved for organic use on their plants. And organic seeds cannot be genetically modified. Mm. But organic seeds can be hybrids. And we're going to talk about hybrid seeds in a second. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. 
So um, one of the things about organic seeds, too, and I think it's important to point this out, is a lot of people have the misconception that organic seeds are produced like never using things like fertilizers or pesticides or fungicides. And that is not true. There is a whole list on the USDA's website of chemicals that are approved for organic farming and organic gardening use. And so um, you can go to their website and like look at that list. It's actually a pretty big list. So there are lots of things used um, in organic gardening or the production of organic seeds that like you might think wouldn't be because they would be like considered a chemical. So that is just uh, some food for thought. The next kind of seed we're going to talk about are open pollinated seeds. So open pollinated isn't actually like a type of seed. It's more like a type of plant. And we talked about these plants on that episode about flowers getting jiggy with it. (laughs) Such a good episode. (laughs) Oh, it was. It was such a good episode. So some fruits and vegetables are only produced by open pollination, which means that they're seeds that produce plants that are pollinated by insects, birds, wind, or other natural means. So what's interesting about open pollinated plants is that they produce new generations of plants that could be drastically different genetically than the parent plant because the pollen source is unknown and breeding can be uncontrolled. So that's what's so interesting about open pollinated plants. Like you could pull a seed from an open pollinated plant and plant it and end up with something super funky. (laughs) So it's like a very promiscuous plant. (laughs) Yeah, it totally can be if the growing environment isn't set up specifically to have the plants produce seeds that will breed true. Absolutely. Like, and tomatoes are a great example of this. If you plant lots of different tomato varieties, like all in a row, you know, the bees or the bugs or whatever is pollinating them can be going by and they can be picking up and dropping off a little bit of pollen from each of the different Mm -hmm. kinds of tomato plants. And when you save the seeds from those tomato plants, like you might think that you saved a cherry tomato seed. So when you plant that seed, you're expecting, you know, teeny tiny, beautiful little red cherry tomatoes. But you could end up with something like really funky, like a red semi heart shaped tomato that's not like big, but also not like cherry size. And like maybe your cherry tomato got crossed with like a pink ox heart tomato. (laughs) So you end up with something kind of funky. (laughs) Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Um, And so that's why it's really important that if you're going to save the seeds from your garden, um, like year after year, you want to make sure that you plant uh, different varieties of open pollinated plants far away from each other so that that doesn't happen. Because if you can uh, prevent cross pollination from happening uh, within the different species of plants, then you're going to create better conditions for your saved seeds to breed true. Got it. All right. The next type of seed we're going to talk about is heirloom seeds. And heirloom seeds have kind of had a comeuppance, for lack of a better word, in the last several years. Like you hear heirloom seeds talked about all the time now. And heirloom seeds are seeds that are passed down from generation to generation using open pollination. So they are seeds that have been grown in an environment that allows for their seeds from each generation to breed true. 
Um, and that means that the changes that have occurred in the development of heirloom plants are characteristics that have happened naturally over the course of time. Oh, okay. So like um, an heirloom tomato, so when we're planting an heirloom tomato, that's not to say that like it's growing the exact same tomato that would have um, grown 70 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was taken from that same plant that grew 70 years ago, and it's all of these, you know, 70 generations forward from that. 70-year-old tomato, Um, but the characteristics have changed slowly over time because of, like, the environment um, or other things that may have affected the plants while they were growing. To be considered an heirloom variety, the species of plant has to be at least 40 years old. Oh, wow. And one thing that's kind of interesting about heirloom um, vegetables and one of the reasons why some people choose to go for heirloom varieties is that um, over years of cultivation, heirloom plants can develop resistance to certain diseases and pests, and they can also learn to thrive in particular climates. So if you grow heirloom seeds in your garden and save the seeds and continue to do that, you know, for the next several years or 10 years or whatever, you're specifically cultivating seeds that thrive within your garden's actual environment, which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that is really deep. And I like, I do, like, whenever I hear heirloom, I think so fancy and bougie and superior. So, like, you're kind of taking some of the mystery out of it. (laughs) (laughs) These seeds are now slightly less sexy, but still pretty neat yeah they are they're pretty cool seeds um and it's important to know what you're getting into um because you know something about heirloom seeds is that you know because they are heirloom plants like they haven't been altered to withstand like certain pests or you know maybe certain things that some people spray on their gardens so it's good to know that too um, because you know things like that can definitely affect yield or maybe you know you know that your plant isn't going to um, be like a perfect plant if that makes any sense yeah yeah (laughs) definitely okay Yeah, you can end up with like some pretty funky like fruits and vegetables and stuff off of heirloom plants, which is really fun. I think I I like it. That happens to be part of uh, gardening that I really enjoy. Um, But you can buy heirloom seeds uh, online or at like a garden center locally. But because of the way that heirloom seeds, you know, become better over time as they go from generation to generation, One of the best ways to get a hold of heirloom seeds is through local seed exchanges because you know that those seeds were cultivated in your zone and in your area. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So those seeds were like made for your space, which is pretty cool. So like I mentioned before, heirloom seeds can be saved and planted year after year. So they're an excellent choice to go with if seed saving is something that's important to you. They are never hybrids or genetically modified, and heirloom seeds can be grown under organic conditions, but that is not always the case. And some people go with heirloom seeds because they feel like the plants produced from them have a superior taste, quality, and hardiness when compared to other seed types because, 
you know, they have to naturally uh, grow resistance to certain things if they're going to continue to reproduce. And plants are really great at like making the adjustments that need to be made so they can keep going because, you know, their whole purpose is reproduction. Right. That's what they do. <laughs> so heirloom seeds are really are, are really great for them. And the next uh, type of seed that we're going to talk about are hybrid seeds. And hybrid seeds are crosses between different heirloom cultivars and are manually produced by cross-pollination. So it means that they went to one type of heirloom plant and collected pollen from it and intentionally deposited it on another type of heirloom plant to create a hybrid or a cross. Yeah. And um, hybrids are actually bred specifically to improve certain desired characteristics um, of the plant. So you can create a hybrid to produce plants with greater uniformity, like whether it's the leaves or the stalks or the fruit. Um, You can also improve the color. So, you know, you can take a really great like red tomato and cross it with a really great yellow tomato and end up with something, you know, like kind of tie-dye or cool yeah. in between. Um, but there are also heirloom varieties that will create that tie-dye effect without you having to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> but you can do it very specifically between like two different kinds of heirloom tomatoes that you like, which could produce, you know, something really delicious or something really interesting. Mm-hmm. You can also cross hybrids specifically to get like better disease resistance or even better yield. If you have two different like high yielding types of plants, you can um, hybridize those so that you can get an even better yielding plant, which can actually be pretty intense (laughs) when you see it, (laughs) you know, because they just create just like volumes and volumes of whatever, you know, their fruit or vegetable is. And um, one thing that is really important about hybrid plants, though, is that seeds from the first generation of hybrid plants will not produce true copies. So you should not save seeds from hybrid plants. You have no idea what you're going to end up with. (laughs) (laughs) So um, if you like growing hybrids, you'll need to buy new seeds for each planting season. And even though hybrids can be created in a laboratory, um, and a lot of them are, they are not genetically modified, but they have been genetically manipulated oh. by cross-pollination. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's a really interesting distinction, like genetically manipulated, genetically modified. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last kind of seed that we'll talk about are GMOs, which are genetically modified seeds. And these kinds of seeds are genetically modified in a laboratory, and they are generally used for, like, large-scale production. So contrary to popular belief, there is no chance of accidentally acquiring GMO seeds for use in home gardens. That's not a thing. Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah, like, you can't, like, go to your hardware store or your seed store and buy GMO seeds. Oh, okay. Well, that's neat. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's good to know because then you're not like standing there scouring, you know, seed mm-hmm. packages, trying to make sure that they are like, you know, specifically labeled that they're non-GMO. Uh, some Now, some seeds might be labeled that because it's a it's a good like marketing term. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's good to know that like you can't accidentally do that. So don't worry about it. 
Yeah, so don't go to the seed person at the store that you're getting seeds from being like, are these non-GMO? Because <laughs> they might look at you silly, even though, like, I didn't know until right now that that wasn't a thing. But, yeah, now you'll look super smart when you're at the seed, or at the seed store. <laughs> and they may not know either. So, right. like, they may accidentally tell you, like, if it's doesn't, if it's not marked as not GMO, they might say, well, these aren't marked as not GMO. So I guess they could be, you know. <laughs> it's a gamble. <laughs> so GMO seeds are very expensive and they're only available to purchase in large quantities. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, and farmers can choose GMO seeds for a variety of reasons um, because... GMO seeds are modified to have like a very specific desirable trait. So like some of them are made to be drought tolerant or they're created to produce seedless varieties. Um, Or you could have GMO seeds that are made to be resistant to certain pests and diseases or maybe even able to withstand like certain pesticides or fungicides being sprayed on them. Um, when there's a plant that has like a really high pest or fungus incidence. So there are very few plants that are produced by GMO seeds. There are so few. I'm going to list them for you so that you know what they are. (laughs) (laughs) The only GMO seeds that are produced at this time, um, at the time that we're recording this, which is in February of 2021, are corn, soybeans, cotton for oil, canola, which is also a type of oil, squash, papaya, and sugar beets and alfalfa. And sugar beets and alfalfa aren't actually eaten by humans. And that's it. Well, shoot. I thought it was way more than that. No, I know. Isn't that funny? Like, you know, because you just you hear about them all the time. So you think that they're like prevalent and everywhere. Uh, There are a couple of GMO versions of tomatoes, potatoes, and rice that have been created. um, But they aren't commercially available yet. So those three might end up popping up soon. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. What do you primarily use? So I actually prefer um, heirloom seeds. Oh, bougie. (laughs) (laughs) So, and some of that um, is just because I'm not, I mean, like I garden because I I want to, um, you know, I, I want to harvest from the garden. Um, but there are other reasons that I garden too. And a lot of them just, them just have to do with the fact that I enjoy gardening and I like to experiment with seed saving. And like, I never know exactly what I'm going to want to do in the garden year after year. So heirloom seeds give me a lot of flexibility. Nice. Yeah. Um, there are some hybrid seeds though that I've been considering getting because there's like, there's a type of squash that I really like. It's a kibacha squash. That's not an heirloom plant. That is a um, hybrid variety. And I I can't remember off the top of my head what the cross is for that. Um, But they're really fascinating. They kind of um, look like a pumpkin on the inside. They're like really orange and fleshy, but they also have like more of like a nuttier taste. So I made like a kibacha squash pie at Thanksgiving and it was a lot like a pumpkin pie, but it was less sweet. So, like, you know, if you like pumpkin pie, but it always feels like it's too sugary for you, a kibacha pie might be the way to go. Interesting. Yeah. And I hope I pronounce that squash variety uh, (laughs) 
I'll correct myself next week if I didn't because I <laughs> pulled that out of my head. But I'm pretty sure it's a kabacha. It's like an F1 um, hybrid because I went to go buy the seeds for it. And I was like, oh. Um, and I didn't end up buying them. But um, I still might because I still have more time. So I'm not necessarily like married to one type of seed. Um, it's just that um, I really like the types of plants that uh, Baker Creek has in their catalog. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. usually who I order my seeds from. Yeah. All right. I feel so much more educated now. Good. I'm glad that you feel so much more educated. <laughs> so um, if someone is wondering which one is better for them, um, it really just depends what's important, you know, to you and your seeds. So um, if like buying and growing organic is something that you value, you want to make sure that your seeds have the proper organic certifications on them. Um, or if you like to feel, you know, like your garden has a spot in history or you like a lot of plant variety or want to save your seeds, then heirlooms are probably the way you want to go. Um, if high yield and pest resistance is what matters to you most, you probably want to go with hybrids. Um, and like I mentioned, hybrids will let you find some pretty funky combinations of plant breeds, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the bottom line of this talk was just to let you know that there is no garden seed that you can choose that's like bad or wrong. It's just like which garden seed is best suited for what matters to you most. So there is no wrong choice. I like it. Yeah. That's what you got here. (laughs) (laughs) options we like to give you guys options yeah well i'm not interested in telling other people like how they should garden or what they should garden because it's so personal like what's important to you yeah the output is that you get to eat yummy food and who really cares how you get there yeah you get to eat yummy food that you created like with your hands and in your space which is something really special i think i agree all right, so now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Do you want me to go first so you can enjoy your beverage? Yes, I <laughs> will have you go first. All right, well, I'm hoping that this is the end to a three part saga because you oh, guys no. have heard part one and part two, but unfortunately, I get to share with you today Fancy's Great Escape Part Three, the final adventure, I hope. Oh. <laughs> And this was, like, the worst one. Um, so it was, it was like, the second week in February. Um, I'm on a work meeting with my chief executive or chief operating officer and our entire project management department because he's, like, going around and just having, like, meet and greet type things with his, with each department that he's over, um, which is super nice to have that level of relationship with your COO, but he called me like three times that week. So like I talked to him a lot anyway. So luckily for me, I have a good working relationship with him. Um, But we had to introduce ourselves like he didn't know us and talk about the projects that we're working on and talk about a fun fact. And it popped in my head to talk about Fancy the cow and her escape habits. This was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I do, I, I get my turn and it's camera day, but I leave my camera on, um, and I go to get more coffee and I look outside and I can't see her. Um, so I'm thinking, well, maybe she's behind her shed. So I go outside and, in, in like just my boots and my hoodie still have my phone with me so I could hear the call happening. And I'm like walking the fence line and she is not behind her shed. She is not in her pen. 
And I look over at the neighbors and she's like romping around in the back brush and tree area. Oh my God. <laughs> their yard. So I was like, shit. So I go get treats because like I was like, I know how to handle this. It's like, it's not a big deal. Like it's embarrassing, but I can get her back. So like I get the treats and I open the back gate and then I look over and she's in the next neighbor's over yard. And I'm like, shit. So I start walking towards her and I'm like, I'm not running. I'm staying very calm. I'm calling her because I know she knows my voice, but she like just keeps going. And mind you, like we've gotten a lot of snow here too. And it is like knee knee deep. And again, I'm just wearing my boots and a sweatshirt and it's 10 degrees outside. Like the sun's out. So at least there's that. But she's like gotten like maybe a quarter mile down through backyards. And luckily, like (laughs) I get to one of my neighbors that has his own business on his property. So there's like this big barn so she takes a right and he's pulling into the driveway and i think it spooks her and she goes like back towards the house but she's like running down the shoulder of the road and also like through my neighbor's front yards this time oh my gosh so i've never met this guy before so it was a super great way to meet my neighbor (laughs) and i was like oh my god i am like so sorry like she got out and he's like well what farm are you on i'm like i'm just like four houses down like we're not that far um and he's like well i saw her go that way it looks like she's in somebody else's yard and he was like super nice about it and like he watched me go all the way back to our house i'm hoping not just for entertainment purposes but also to make sure like we were okay or at least that's how i'm gonna think about it because it's super heartwarming (laughs) if it was for safety purposes (laughs) and not just entertainment um, but I get back to our house and I'm like, God, just please let her like, cause I can't see her like, just please let her just be in my neighbor's yard again and make this super easy. Let me get close enough so I can like give her her treats because I know if I give her, her treats, she'll be want to follow me. So I get back and I'm walking up my, the, the driveway for my neighbor's yard. That's like set way back. And I look and she's in my other neighbor's yard munching on their pine trees. And I I was able to at least get close to her, though, and she saw that it was me and I had snacks, and she got so excited, and she just <laughs> followed me so enthusiastically, and we get back to the gate, and she's, like, doing this little jig dance thing and jumping around, and I'm thinking in my head, like, you are lucky you're not hamburger right now, <laughs> because <laughs> I am so pissed at you. <sighs> So I get her back in and she's in with the goats and the goats are like, what the hell? Cause they, they don't really co-mingle. Um, but Fancy was so interested in them and they were like, what the heck? And they just start running. And then I got her gate open and got her back in. So I was able to then investigate and she had actually pushed down and climbed over a good part of the fence. Oh my God. And hopped over. So moral of the story, cows are really smart and no matter how awesome you think your fence is, if it's not like a wood fence that they can't bend, you you need a hot wire <laughs> because she bent it down and I could see like hair in the fence um, uh. from where she like scraped her belly. Um, and I think with the snow kind of continually packing, like obviously she's heavy, it's going to pack down. But it's going to stack on each other, so it was much easier for her to climb over. Yeah. Um. So I called my husband, 
panicking afterwards. I was like, I got her back in, but she went so far away and I don't know what to do. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get stuff for an electric fence after work and we'll figure it out. And like, I had to work until like seven o'clock, excuse me, that night. And bless him, he was out there by himself putting it in for like an hour and a half, two hours before sun went down all by himself. And we got a top line of hot wire now. So um, she did grow up around it. I messaged Sarah, one of our listeners that I got her from. And she's like, yep, she's been around hot wire and she's been around white tape fence too, which is like a mesh electric fence um, that can be more temporary. So I was like, okay, good. So we won't really have to like train her on it. But Matt said that when he put it in, she like touched her nose to it to figure it out and she flinched. So at least we knew it was working right away. But now she's like, she's like super grumpy now because she can't scratch herself on a tree anymore because of the fence. Like she can on some of the branches. But now she's like spitefully hiding behind her shed because she knows I can't see her. And, like, I'll go outside to try to look for her because I'm still feeling very paranoid. And she'll poke her head around the corner. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really think she was just getting bored. And she figured out, you know, they say, like, once they figure out how to get out, they're just going to keep doing it again until you fix it. And I kept thinking we fixed it. But we just had to take that step and add the electric fence. And, like, it. It wasn't even, like, that hard or expensive to do. So I'm, like, kicking ourself, like myself that I didn't push for it sooner. But now I know. I had to learn the hard way. I was going to say, it's hard for you to know exactly what you're going to need until she gets there. And I'm going to knock on wood for just a second because I don't have an electric fence for Percy. Right. But you have, like, a really wooded fence. That's yeah, be pretty tough for him to get through or but over. <laughs> that's only in the front. The sides and the back are oh. all just two by four welded wire like fence or four by four. It's four by four. Okay, like horse fence or whatever. I don't think it's horse fence. Cattle fence. I don't really know what it is. Um, but it's that flexible. It's T posts. Mm. Yeah, and there is a hot wire, but we've never plugged it in. So we have all the components for it. So we could, I think, if we needed to. Um, We'd probably have to walk the fence line and, like, fix any breaks because I'm sure that Mm -hmm. there are breaks now at this point because it's been four or five years since it's been used here. Um, But so far, we have not needed it thank goodness and i think that's because he hangs around because he wants to stay with the donkeys he he wants to stay with his friends so he's not interested in leaving and he knows that we throw hay and stuff over for him so like i think if we ever you know like neglected him for a couple of days and the donkeys weren't around he'd probably totally try to figure out how to wander off (laughs) yeah yeah i think her space like i i was under the impression it would be big enough because winter was coming and she wouldn't be able to graze. And by the time spring came, we were going to extend the fencing anyways. But I think she's a little bored in her space. And then the goats only come out if the sun's out or if I put hay out there for them too. So I think she just gets a little bored and then she gets up to no good. So mm-hmm. probably going to have to entertain the idea of getting her a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Especially while I'm trying to figure out the AI stuff. Like maybe we just get a steer grow it out and that buys me some more time to figure out how to get her bread yeah and still be productive and have me and she has a friend so if we time it right 
that could work out really well. Yeah, that totally could. But anyways, hopefully that is the last story I have to tell you guys, at least in the near future. Like when like stuff's going to happen, she'll probably get out sometime in the future. But I'm just hoping it's like way out there because I'm really worried my neighbors are going to start hating me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned she was like, you know, like dancing that little jig and stuff. Like if (sighs) you're not used to cows, that looks really scary. Yes. But once you get a handle on it and you know what that body language means, like it's not terrifying at all. Percy was doing it to me the other day while I was over in his fence with his bunk and he got a little too close and I just put my hand up and I was like, Percy, you have to give me space. And I just looked at him really sternly and he stopped back up just a little bit and started dancing again (laughs) i was like thank you (laughs) yeah i think at that point too i was so exhausted because like i don't care how good of in shape you are like going through knee-deep snow is no joke like i developed a cough and could barely like get through a sentence without coughing for like eight hours because it was so nasty outside but yeah it so at that point i didn't even care if she kicked me so I was like, I'm already like, I'm already just feeling beat down. <laughs> yeah. Just get in your pen. <laughs> <laughs> so what can't you even about this week? So my can't even is that I am going to be starting seeds tomorrow in more snow than I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How does that feel? It feels really good. I'm looking forward to being out in the greenhouse, like, while the snow is just falling, because there's nothing else I can do. Like, I can't be out in the yard, like, doing anything, because we're supposed to get, like, between eight inches and a foot of snow tomorrow. (laughs) It also happens to be my first day of seed starting, and I thought about delaying it, but if I I can get out to the greenhouse, that'll be my caveat. If I can get out to the greenhouse, (laughs) I'm going to be in there doing it. (laughs) If I can't, I can't. And, you know, it's possible that I won't be able to, because, like, I need to drag my wheelbarrow in there and all my stuff because I got my soil blockers. I've got a micro one now and a mini one. So I'm going to experiment with starting radishes two weeks early in the little micro blocks. And then I'll transplant them into the garden on their first day, which is March 1st. That's when I'm supposed to put those out. Um, And then I'll also plant some with seed tape because I'm kind of I'm trying to see what works best for spacing um, and for the plants to grow big and healthy because like. I used to just, you know, like spread the seeds in a line and then thin or not thin and they'd all just like grow together and get all nasty. (laughs) But I'm like, no need to waste seed. Like I can totally use these tools and space my seeds out properly. And then I actually do get, you know, like 300 radishes out of the packet or whatever instead of only 100. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what I'm playing with this year. Nice. So uh, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a really big snow day. I'm looking forward to starting seeds. The greenhouse is already. I've got lights. I've got heat. Um, <laughs> also, I have picked next year's heater. It is a propane heater, in case anybody is curious. Oh, that good. way I can ditch the electric heater and then just swap out propane tanks. There you go. <laughs> I tried to convince my husband to run a gas line into the greenhouse, and he just gave me that look. <laughs> <laughs> At least you tried. <laughs> I did because I was like, we have gas and we have a 500 gallon tank of propane that never gets used because it's only for our um, our generator. So it's full all the time. And I'm like, well, that would use some of that. And then we could get that refilled every year. But I, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. 
Well, make sure you send us your can't evens. You can post those in the Facebook group and use hashtag can't even. Or you could send them to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We read one review on the show per week. And that person gets entered into a drawing for an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. But we don't have a review this week. So we don't. go leave us one. You'll probably be the winner for February. Yes. <laughs> Unless somebody else beat you to it. But then that just means that we're going to read it in March. And you have pretty good odds in March, too. Yep, exactly. And make sure to hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find us. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories and tag us. We're at Drink and Farm. We'll send you a promo code just for that episode that'll give you a percentage off in our merch shop. And check out the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, and links to our social media and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. That's it. Thanks for joining us on this uh, fun seed learning journey. Yes, I feel so educated. I like it. About (laughs) seeds. Yes. All right. So until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things. We are so excited that Grubbly Farms now has a starter grower feed. They just introduced Grubbly's Little Pecks for chicks age 0 to 20 weeks. And unlike other feeds, every peck is purposely packed with sustainably grown grub protein and farm fresh ingredients that chickens naturally love. When our 2021 chicks arrive, we will be feeding our little ones the way nature intended with grubs, plants, vitamins, minerals, and probiotics to help them grow strong, healthy, and happy. And you can feed them the same too. So get this delivered to your door just in time for your new flock members. Go to grubblyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order.